Welcome to this week's Monday meeting. Today is Monday, January 14th, 2019. Monday meetings are a chance for motion designers all over the world to connect and ask questions, share inspiration, or hear presentations and interact with industry-leading artists on an equal playing field. Today's topic is, can creativity be taught? Um, we, we've been calling it a couple different things, but that's the gist of it. So, um, or can you teach taste? We've also called it. So, um, outside of that intro there and our main discussion topic, I don't think we really have any opening notes on anything. I think the only notes would be is a lot of people are starting to get booked for NAB and find housing. So, I know that we still have some spots. Um, if you're looking and you're listening, reach out to me. This is Liam talking. I probably should have said Liam here, Mark here as well. Um, but if you're in the Brograph Slack, come join the events channel. And there's a lot of people looking for housing. Um, ours the Brograph just, Slack is open right now too, right? They, I believe so. It was open. Matt, I, don't, I don't know. It was open at least. So. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, a lot of people are trying to like find Airbnbs with lots of people because it brings the price down. Um, ours may be opening back up because ours got canceled somehow. I didn't The reservation didn't actually hold. So um, feel free to reach out to me if you're looking as well. But that's, that's about it for notes for me. Anything from you, Mark? No, that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, so today's discussion and topic came from something that was happening in the general discussion of the Brograph Slack. Just, you know, can you teach art and design actually? Like, is there, is there a person that just can't learn it? Can you teach taste um, with all the learning avenues that there are online now? It seems like pretty much anyone can go and learn it. Um, but also a lot of people get caught learning just the technology and software behind things. So where is that gap? Um, and speaking of the gap, we have a link to the gap by Ira Glass, which is really inspirational. If you guys haven't seen that, let me just throw that in the chat really quickly. Yeah, I think this is a great way to kick it off. There's, I mean, this kind of quote or rant or whatever statement, whatever he, whatever you want to call it, is I think a, just a great little segue into the discussion today. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I really love that thing. I send it to everyone that is starting out or learning because it's like a lot of people like say like, you know, my stuff is crap. Like, you know, I can't, you know, can I still be in this industry or something? And the thing is like, if you can tell that your stuff is crap, that's the most important thing because yeah. there, because there are people who can't tell this stuff is crap. Like my favorite story is I knew this guy in Australia and he made like a TV show. It was like a, a daily show knockoff, you know, where he did like a news show and he would do it like every week he'd produce one and he did it for like years and it was terrible, but he couldn't tell it was terrible. He thought it was amazing, <laughs> you know, and he just kept doing it and it never improved. It never, I mean, he loved it. It made him happy, whatever. But I mean, but his, it never improved because he couldn't tell that it was crap. He just, he thought it was great. So I think like the important thing is if someone can tell that what they're doing is bad, then they can improve. Like that's the key there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a great point. Well, and with that being said, let me share my screen and I'll play this video. Um, screen, opposed attendees, like gap, boom. Okay. Share computer sound. So it might play back choppy, but the audio will probably be okay. 
I won't go full screen with it. I'll just punch it in. But, all right. Nobody uh, tells people who are beginners. And I really wish somebody had told this to me is that um, all of us who do creative work, like, you know, we get into it. And we get into it because we have good taste. But it's like there's a gap that for the first couple of years that you're making stuff, what you're making isn't so good, okay? It's not that great. It's, it's, it's trying to be good. It has ambition to be good, but it's not quite that good. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, your, your taste is still killer. And your taste is good enough that you can tell that what you're making is kind of a disappointment to you. You know what I mean? A lot of people never get past that phase. A lot of people at that point, they quit. And the thing I would just like say to you with all my heart is that m most everybody I know who does interesting creative work, they went through a phase of years where they had really good taste, they could tell what they were making wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. They knew it felt short. It didn't have this special thing that we wanted it to have. And the thing I would say to you is everybody goes through that. And for you to go through it, if you're going through it right now, if you're just getting out of that phase, you got to know it's totally normal. And the most important possible thing you could do is do a lot of work. Do a huge volume of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week or every month you know you're going to finish one story. Because it's only by actually going through a volume of work that you're actually going to ca catch up and close that gap. And your the work you're making will be as good as your ambitions. It takes a while. It's going to take you a while. It's normal to take a while, and you just have to fight your way through that. Okay? All right. So let's see. Stop share. Boom. We're back. Can you hear me? Are we back? We're good? All right. Uh, so yeah, I thought that's like a really just interesting piece. And I think it's one that we all probably face at one point or multiple points in our careers or in our creative journeys. Um, and similar to what was being said before and what Liam was saying, like there's so many kind of technical tutorials and like you can learn software and um, techniques quite well, but sometimes being able to combine that with your taste and like that piece says, you know that it could be better, but you got to just keep pushing through until you can actually make that happen. Um, I think it's just a really good point. So I don't know if anyone wants, I'll open up the floor if anyone wants to kind of talk about either their creative journey or what they think about this topic and, and just taste in general and can it be taught? Um, yeah. Um, I can say something. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. I think the the main question was, can creativity be ta uh, taught? I think it would rather be, can taste be taught? Because in, like the video says, if you have taste, you have, that's the reason why you're creating things. And on Reddit, there was this guy once, um, I don't want to bash him. It was probably like two years ago. Uh, he was making stuff, but it was super ugly. It was really beginner, but sometimes you have beginners 
where the concept is cool or the colors are cool. But this guy, he was just missing everything. Even the colors, he had like vomit green with orange and it just wasn't working at all. And um, when you try to help him, like, hey, try try more colors, try interesting color palettes or whatever. And then you send him to, to uh, coolers.com or something, you know, the color palette generator. <clears throat> and then you kind of set him up to, to create something where you, you helped him to, to um, prevent making the mistakes he made in the first one, but he still found a way to just get the worst color combinations. And he wasn't able to um, really evaluate his own work. Maybe he's now super pro. I don't know. Maybe he kicked off. But at the time, he wasn't able to really um, see what he was doing wrong. And I think that is probably the most important skill if you want to get better. You need to be able to see what you're doing wrong. And of course, other people need to tell you what you're doing, what you're doing wrong. Um, sorry, I got distracted. But um, yeah, I think it's rather a case of being able to evaluate and do it by yourself rather than uh, it's one of those things that only can be taught by yourself. I think you can't read books about creativity. You need to do it over and over and see what you're doing wrong. It's kind of like playing guitar. You need to play that chord like a million times and eventually you will, will be able to do it. And you can only do it by yourself. You can't read books about playing guitar. And it's kind of the same with creativity, I think. But taste is one of the most important um, ingredients, I think. Yeah, agreed. Alejandro, you put a interesting little comment in the chat there too. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, sure. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I'll add one extra thing to that. I think that right now we're talking about three different things, uh, creativity, taste, and talent. Um, I do think that doing something, doing what you're doing over and over and over and over affects everything, but it primarily affects your talent. I think that creativity can be learned, um, but... It, I think that that is of all of them is the one that requires the most uh, changes in the way that you think. And there's a lot of emotional things about it is that, you know, are you able to think about things without initial, you know, without having that voice inside your head going, Oh, that's silly. Don't think that way. Don't go that route. Uh, and it takes a lot of kind of quieting that voice and kind of freeing yourself. Um, so yeah, that takes a lot of practice as well. Um, but you have to, creativity is one of those things that you can, I, th I think you can develop more. Uh, and I think uh, as, as, as all of us as content creators and, you know, artists, we, we, it's something that we kind of unconsciously do, but we have to keep feeding that all the time. Taste, on the other hand, I think that one has to do more with exposure. Um, everything that's been said about knowing that you, that you can't improve on, unless you know what you're doing wrong, it's absolutely correct. But the only way to know that you, what you're doing is wrong is to expose yourself constantly to how to do it right and what looks good, what feels good. Um, and, and part of that is also paying attention to that. I mean, just looking at going to a museum and looking at the paintings doesn't do anything. You have to pay attention. You have to, you have to ask yourself what's working, what's not working, what feels good. And just constantly and constantly and constantly exposing yourself to new talent, to new uh, techniques, to new work. And I think it's almost like a, to use a fancy word, an ineffable quality where it's hard to put to words, but I think it's just our brain's, amazing pattern recognition comes to 
comes to work in some point in this where over time we kind of develop this sort of unconscious feeling of like that's right and this is wrong and once you know that then you can kind of go away from it a little bit and push the boundaries but it just takes a lot of exposure uh, and, and paying attention to that exposure constantly and I think those through that you can learn taste. Yeah, I think it kind of goes along too with you need to know the rules to break them in a way, right? Like taste, you got to develop your taste and then really develop what you enjoy. It might not be what everybody else enjoys. It might not be what's on trend or, or whatnot, but like you have to develop your taste. And then once you develop that, then you can really start pushing it and then take your uh, technical skills or, you know, your creativity and like expand upon that where if you haven't really developed your taste, you don't really know what it is. You're kind of all over the place. I don't know. I guess taste style, it's all, it's all in that kind of same like broad stroke. Um, I mean, if you look but, at it, the yeah. word taste, if you, if you bring it back to, to its origins, you know, what it's food, you know, our sense of taste. I, I mean, the, right there, it gives you a clue. I mean, if you, if you're, if all you eat are meat and potatoes, you're going to have a very, very limited sense of, you know, taste. It, it requires right. you to expand that, to try different things, to, to explore. And I think there's the same sort of as an analogy, the same thing applies to, to taste in art and taste in, uh, in, in a lot of the visual and whatever other field. You have to expose yourself uh, and you have to try different things and your personal taste is going to come out of it where certain things, whether they're right or wrong, you're simply not going to like them. It's just mm-hmm. not your thing. It doesn't, doesn't connect with you. Um, but yeah, again, it's, it's, I, I really think it's a huge part of it. I'm not saying it's all of it, but a huge part of it is it's just a massive amount of exposure and paying attention to that exposure. It's not just, it's not just kind of absorb, you know, looking at it. You have to pay attention. You have to think about it. Hmm. I think that's one thing that's missing from online schools too, or like any tutorial online is like even just the conflict that comes with finding your taste you know like somebody in your classroom will say hey i really like this design and you may look at it like that's shit and like that's you developing your taste and like you can look at instagram all day and everything but you don't get those debates that you have in class or like someone's uh, like broader opinion about why they like something that may affect your taste as well um so i agree like that a lot of it comes with broad exposure to taste, but a lot of it comes from just like interacting with people as well and making sure that you are getting that kind of exposure too. Just so you're, you're not just developing your taste because that's what you see and that's what you like, but you're developing a vocabulary for your taste as well and being able to argue why you like that and being able to talk about it and then also be able to hear why other people like other tastes, which makes you a good employee or a good freelancer. And if, if there's a creative director or a client that comes to you and they say, I really like this and that's not really your style, you can either advocate for something that is within your taste or at least, you know, appreciate where they're coming from so you can work with them a little bit better. Um, so I don't really know where I'm going with this. I'm starting to ramble a little bit, but um, yeah. I'd like to also say here about taste is that it's also very regional. 
Like sometimes it's obvious reason, like you compare something like Japanese with, you know, American stuff, you know, like you see like how ads work, but also like I've been living around, you know, America, Australia, Europe, and like even like there's a big difference in like, for example, bank designs, like designs of their websites are very different. Like you can tell there's a different kind of value of taste, not even just like Europe and America, but even inside Europe, like you have Scandinavian banks and, you know, Southern European banks, like Italians and stuff. And they all clearly have, it's not like someone just hired a cheap designer. They just have very different priorities and it's like it's a it's a regional thing like if you look at a lot of the designers who are like from the middle east you'll see they have a ton of green color like they really love green everywhere because it's one of their like main colors like religiously and stuff so and while some tastes you can appreciate anyway like you know you can like you can see japanese things and you can be like well that's a bit busy and too much stuff but other tastes when they're like so far from the way you've grown up like stuff that's like you know you see like india and uh you know pakistan design like stuff from those countries they're really kind of they're they're, they're significantly different like they're not i can't say it's bad taste but it's just it's a different trend and it's more i think it's a lot of it's about compatibility perhaps like with the market that you're going for rather than you know actual you know objective taste And that's a big thing that's like, I keep having these thoughts, but then they trail into like massive points that I would want to make as far as like what is good to learn, um, where it's like, oh, color theory. You know, I mean, you can look at something and say, oh, this is shit because you have bad colors. And I, I mean, I, I still agree with you. And the, the same with Alejandro, like I'm thinking like, oh man, I was crippled by thinking I'm not doing it right. You know, and, and I, I kept trying to do it like to make what I had seen that I liked. And um, so, but I keep, I keep like going off on the like crazy tangents and I don't know. Um, some of it's a big matter of like, what are you trying to convey and like signal to noise? Like, is it a bank where they're just trying to shoot information and have like a kind of feel like we're a green, we're a, you know, clean energy bank. I mean, that's, that's like a, the aesthetic. That's like what you're trying to deliver. And that's different, I think, than taste where, um, a lot of that it's, it's sort of like the way you're conveying the information, it, 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 man, I'm, I'm really struggling to nail a, uh, a point with it because it's like, it, everything comes into like composition, you know, I mean, if you have like a flat graphics kind of feel because you're wanting to, you're doing an explainer video and everything's like, look, it's really minimal and in, unintrusive to your life. And, and simply like, that's different. That, that has a reason behind it where you could look at that versus something that is like a, um, uh, something from the Renaissance or something, some massive painting. And they use these certain colors and this conflicting composition in order to make you feel uncomfortable. You know, like there's too much going on so that you don't know where to look. And that may be like a reason behind it. But if you're in, if your mind is in, I'm making flat graphics and you look at something like that and you're like, oh shit, there's no, I don't know where to look. You know, there's no, it, like there's, there are way too many variables. And so, it's like, you, I feel like you have to learn everything and learn different mediums. And one thing is like, have a reason why and sort of try and be able to explain your reasons, I guess. Again, scattered. <laughs> but uh, that's where my head's going right now.
Yeah. I totally get that too. And like going off the explaining thing and, you know, that, that I think there needs to be some kind of medium online. I see some people like Pedro in the chat saying that we should do like critiques on here sometimes, but you know, you can, there are, there are courses online that you can take where you get critiques, but that's not, it's not the same as what you can get in real life and like getting an internship like there i see so many people coming out of school and wanting to go right into freelance or you know learning online and wanting to go right into freelance but they haven't had that critique to like push them further and i think there's a little bit of that missing and like making i guess darwinism of that too if that makes sense for like you know people either push through critiques and they can see what somebody's saying and try it out and make their work better or people don't and their work still sucks or people are hurt by it and they just leave the industry. And I, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. You know, I think there's always golden nuggets to come through with something, even going back to like MoGraph.net days where like people would just cut people down, you know, it was a little bit brutal, but at least, people were being honest. It's not like people are sugarcoating things. And I think there's a lot of that going on in the internet now. And I'm, I'm definitely guilty of not sugarcoating things in Slack when people post stuff and saying like, you know, I've seen your other work and this is just shit compared to that. Like, I'm, I think that's beneficial for people to hear sometimes just be like cut and dry, let them know, like, good job. You probably learned something from this. You've probably learned a new technique or, or something, but this isn't real worthy or this isn't, Instagram worthy or whatever. Um, so yeah, I would, I would love to see more of that and being able to teach people stuff because without that, I don't think, I don't think people can evolve and get better at all. Like, um, I, I put in the chat too, that there's this quote from Angela Duckworth and she has a book called true grit or real grit, something grit and talent times effort equals skill and then skill times effort equals achievement. So basically like people like Michael Jordan might have natural talent, but if they're not putting in the effort, then that's not going to develop their skill. And then if they're using that skill and not putting in the effort, they're not going to achieve anything with it. They're just going to stagnate. Um, so I kind of believe that with critiques as well, like you can have talent, but if you're not getting critique on that talent, you're not going to develop your skill. And if you're not putting in the effort with that skill, you're not going to achieve anything with it. Yeah. I want to just echo kind of what you said in terms of like the internships or getting experience, any, any creative coming like right out of school or, or if not out of school, like if you're just doing this on your own, I think, uh, and going all the way back to what Alejandro was saying earlier about like the root of taste that all comes with experience, right? You don't know what, how something's going to taste or whatnot if you don't try it. And I think if you're <clears throat> fresh out of school or you're relatively new in a career, getting a full-time job in an agency or at a studio where you're surrounded by other creatives, where you're going to be able to, you know, to use another food term, kind of develop your palate where, you know, you're surrounded by all these creatives and you're just, tasting everything you know if you're at home by yourself and you're just scrolling through instagram or pinterest or whatnot you're seeing the same thing that like 
thousands and millions of other people are seeing. So essentially you're developing your taste around what's trending, what's popular on Instagram, what's getting the most likes, and you're not really carving your own path. And I think that's what's really tough about this because you, if you want to stand out, you can't just blend in, right? You can't just like do what everybody else is doing. And, and if that's how you're kind of curating and developing your taste, um, that's kind of like a, like a hamster wheel. I feel like you're just caught in the same cycle and you're just looking at all the same stuff that everybody else is looking at. And you'll hear podcasts or other artists talk about go outside, go for a hike, get inspired, you know, just get away from your computer. And I feel like that stuff is what's going to help develop your taste. Go to art museums, go to, I don't know, farmer's markets, what, you know, whatever, just something away from like this digital realm that you might pick up on something and you might say like, Oh, how they combine those two colors. That's really interesting. Or, you know, just something that's not, not just like easily digestible scrolling through a feed, you know? And I think getting experience at an agency or studio is going to help develop that palette and develop your taste faster than if you're going to be doing it by yourself. Yeah. And like go outside of what you're comfortable with too. So anecdote of this weekend, my daughter's been obsessed with Taylor Swift. So we watched her new documentary thing on Netflix or like her new tour video. And honestly, it was super inspiring. Like I would never think that I would find anything inspiring from a a Taylor Swift documentary concert visual show thing, but they had like these cool like 3d snakes that were doing things on the screens. And then they like at one point were able to like make it come out of the screen and like she would interact with it too. And like doing some really cool stuff that definitely was done by a motion designer. So um, yeah, definitely don't get caught in the traps of like, dribble and pinterest and things like that like you never know where you're going to find inspiration and just like if something even seems re- remotely interesting like i was like all right this seems interesting enough i'll watch it with my daughter then you know you might find something that's like really inspirational in it like i did with like the whole snake mograph thing um so yeah don't don't fall into the traps of normal inspirational places i think Another place to um, get exposed uh, to different works is to study about different art movements, Um, like, I don't know, expressionism, surrealism, abstract symbolism. There are a lot of art movements, and each of them has their own uh, point of view. And uh, some of these movements um, are not only about visual art. They, They are about poems also um, and uh, videos also and music and uh, so uh, so like uh, maybe um, surrealism can be a lifestyle uh, can be something more than art movement uh, so um, so I guess uh, studying about movements can um, help us a lot yeah and kind of like that, that goes with what Alexi was saying that like study different regions as well. And I had a teacher in high school when I was first learning design that was like, don't go to an art school because you're gonna be taught just art and it's not gonna inspire you to learn about other things or like put other things into your work and be as well-rounded as possible. And he, he like really pushed for people to go to like a general 
just general arts school and you can still get a design degree there just because then you'll take a psychology class or you'll take uh, an economics class or whatever. And that will influence your work when you're working with a client and they say, we need to focus on the economics of wherever. And then you'll know what to talk about then. Um, so I'd say that too, like, don't just limit yourself to art movements, but look at regions, look at other things in your life that you like, psychology, cats, whatever. Um, everything can influence your work. I'm going to start picking on people. Um, let's see. Jordan, are you able to talk? Do you have a baby on you? I do not right now. Actually, that's why I was late because uh, my wife was getting her a uh, eye appointment. Um, so I've been here for part of the conversation, but along what you were just saying, uh, I like having uh, a tangible hobby. I do woodworking on the side and I do woodworking with all um, hand tools, no power tools of any kind. So I have the, the hand planes that you manually push the hand saw that you that do like a thing, chisels, whatnot. And I love the, the complete, it's generally called unplugged woodworking. So the complete ability to unplug from everything that we're doing right here and now. So it gives me kind of a, a yin to the yang that I can touch and feel something very tangible, very tactile, get splinters and stuff in my hands. And in contrast to the motion design side of things, that's all I got right now. Jordan. Woodwork is something I wanted to get into once I get like a house because it feels so, it's like the complete opposite of doing 3D or digital graphics. But is it possible to get into it when I'm like 30 and never touch wood in my life? I'm 30. Um, <laughs> well, I grew up with my dad as a general contractor. But yeah, I mean, this is off topic, but um, there's a there's a Facebook group called Unplugged Woodworkers. I'm one of the moderators there. It's got like 29,800 people in it from all across the world. So you can probably find someone close to you that you'd be able to meet up. Um, there's Red, Reddit uh, Woodworking subreddit, a bunch of stuff there. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can definitely get into it and you know, start small, start with something you want to do. Alejandro has been a, uh, messaging me for tips and tricks now and then seems <laughs> working now all right I'll look he, he's old as hell so <laughs> <laughs> never too late to start right <laughs> totally i think that's the same <laughs> so interesting i wish pedro had a mic because he's saying that he doesn't see non-design related activities benefiting his work or making his work better photography helps drawing helps but working out doesn't i would disagree like you know if you go work out it definitely clears your mind and helps you think clearer and be a little bit sharper um and you know taking a walk or just like sitting in the woods and like listening to what's going around you and not paying attention to your your work and your computer and everything just it, there's something really nice about kind of resetting um and like jordan i like i play guitar when i'm in between renders and things like that just to kind of like get away and reset and it's still kind of creative but it's doing something completely different um and i i feel usually refreshed after that too because it's let my 
my mind rests with work stuff and process it and do something as another outlet and still being creative, but it's just letting my mind reset. And it's kind of like getting a good night's sleep that way too, but in the middle of the day a little bit, you're breaking up your day and just letting your brain reset. And they've said that about people that just like stare at a wall and stare into space, that that's kind of what your brain's trying to do. It's trying to just take a break from whatever is going on in your life at that moment. So if you find yourself like sitting at your desk and kind of just like staring off into space, maybe take that moment to go for a walk or like go pick up a guitar or do something for a half hour that is going to help your brain reset a little bit. There's a great animalators episode and I don't remember her name, but Zach interviews this one lady and she's a tattoo artist. She does uh, modeling. She does a few different things. So she has like this wide variety of interests and yeah tattoo is directly design related but she works on motorcycles that kind of stuff so she's like super into a whole lot of things and they talk about being a well-rounded individual and not just like i live breathe and eat sleep and do everything design uh, but having like this this world this life that you've created on your own that isn't necessarily just what your career is um another thing i like about to, to, to pitch woodworking one more time um it helps to help, especially if you own your own home or you have an apartment and you're allowed to like fix stuff. The amount of stuff that you can fix in your house once you've started working with saws and chisels and whatnot, if your door is like not closing all the way, you can just chisel out the hole where the latch hits and boom, the door is fixed. So little stuff like that. Um, I do cosplay also. So a lot of, I try to do as much woodworking and what um, into that. So uh, if you can start woodworking of some form, I highly recommend it. Uh, one thing I was going to say, as far as um, seeking other avenues, like, especially if it's, you know, not just going outside of Instagram or dribble, uh, but like broadening, broadening who you follow. If you, if you're on Twitter, like my feed is very, very different. Like I'm following a lot of people I disagree with or styles of what they say. I don't like, but they, I know they have like a very different vantage point than I do just of living in general. But, um, you're going to, you start to absorb design in that's in anything like one thing that I sometimes I'll just have it on in the background will be like the old episodes of um how it's made because you see these crazy machines like one of my favorite ones is um climbing rope because it's just these swirling but but you can you can just pause it and like look at the machines and the way they're all moving and stuff. And there's like insane design behind them, but it's totally in the background. And what it's doing is then weaving a uh, climbing rope or, you know, the way sausage is made. Like that's, that's the saying, you don't, you never want to see how the sausage is made, but when you do, like you actually get to see the design that has gone into the cranks and the, the actual workflow of making that and then sometimes an imprint of that that's on your brain pops out when you're like oh that i can i can make that i can make i can make something rotate like that by actually just shifting it at the same time just like the sausage links and then it then it will just spit out but um you'll absorb when you start to look at all these different things and especially different mediums you see how 
those creators had to break something down into a, a, a different kind of essence and make it simple and effective and efficient. And then you can apply it to whatever, whatever you're working in, but you, you'll absorb that design that's coming from a completely different place than, you know, renderer reviews or dailies. So I'm going to throw a wrench into everything because it came up in the general chat too. Is there anyone that thinks that you can't teach taste or design? Like it's completely impossible for, for people to learn. Like it, you, you naturally have to want to be a designer or have it in you. Um, Cause I saw that come up a lot in the discussion and not, not so much a lot. It was just interesting to see that there are people that think that you kind of innately have to have it in you. Um, you can't just be taught it. I think there are people that you can't teach taste to. Like, I don't think it's a have or have not, but I think there are people who, I mean, maybe it's because of the way they were brought up. Like, I think maybe it's to do with, you know, maybe they were brought up in a, in a family where they were, you know, uh, positively reinforced on everything they did and they just don't understand what it's like to be wrong. Um, but I think there are definitely people who it's, at the very least, it's very, very hard to teach them to improve. Yeah, I think you can guide everyone, but you can't teach everyone. I think that's kind of the case. I know it's almost the same thing, but you've got to have something in you to pursue the creativity. You can't just sit. Some, I think you can sit everyone down to do some math or learn about physics, but doing something, it needs to come from inside of you somewhere. Yeah, I agree with that. And like my argument too was that's not so much you can't teach some people, but some people are definitely going to take longer to learn or longer to understand it or at least open up to it. Like a lot more, there's a lot of people that seem susceptible to it and that's why they go to design school or they get into it. There's other people that like kind of have an inkling that they want to do it and start to like tinker around with it, but aren't like driven by it. Like some of us, like I feel like driven every day to want to learn more. Um, so I think there's part of that too. And then, like I was saying before, just like people either get certain theories and ideas and principles of what we're doing or they don't. And that like, I've noticed that while I try and le learn Houdini, I've been trying for like two years now on and off. And there's some things that I just get right away and other things I'm just like, what, why was I even thinking about learning Houdini? And like, it just sets me back and it frustrates me. And then, you know, I take a break and I don't push forward as much as I can just because it's like a math thing or, um, you know, like a coding thing and my brain just isn't quite picking it up yet. So I think there's a lot of that with design as well. Like a lot of times people have trouble seeing negative space and like they'll only see the positive or like, you, you know, those images where it's like, looks like a face, in the positive areas, but then maybe in the central area, it's a vase and they like, they'll never see the vase and it takes them like a long time. You have to like draw it out for them and like make it really obvious. Um, so I think maybe, maybe there's a lot of that too, but going back as well, there's also just people you can't teach. And that's part of like the Darwinism I was talking about before of design. It's like, if there's people like that, that you can't teach, then just cut, cut and dry, give them, give them a harsh critique and, now get them out if they don't want to try and make improvements. 
I think one part of like having this whole like Instagram, just social media, like presence with so much quote unquote inspiration and all these other artists is someone might scroll through and they're like, Oh yeah, my taste. Like I love people. I love, you know, I love whoever, you know, name your artist. But since it's such a feed and then people just scroll and they're like, Oh, that's cool. Click, click, click. No one ever takes the time. At least doesn't seem like to actually sit on that piece of art and like deconstruct it and critique it and kind of like what we were talking about earlier. It's like, all right, if you were to ask someone, Hey, you know, what's your taste? And people just start rattling on off, rattling off artists. And then you're like, cool. So what about that people piece resonates with you? Why, you know, why are you saying that? And I feel like a lot of people can't really put their finger on it. And I think a lot of that is because it's just so easy to scroll and you're like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, it's, I mean, it's Instagram porn pretty much. It's like, Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. But what it really is, is like the lighting in that piece is what really makes it work. But no one really, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like people register that, um, to be, and that's my opinion, but like, I don't know when I see stuff on Instagram, I try to like sit on it for a second or more obviously. And just like, why is that working? Is it the composition? Is it the lighting? Is it the colors? It's, you know, like, what is it? And I feel like that's the critique, the, the time spent looking at art and pieces is what helps develop your taste. And you're not going to get it by just scrolling, 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 scrolling. Definitely. Like right now I'm trying to learn to draw with, you know, more traditional aspects. And I find it really interesting. Like I get pictures that I find on Instagram and, you know, I like, I try to partly try to copy them without them, but also like when you even, when you just trace them, you start realizing a lot of the things they're doing, like, you know, composition wise, proportions wise, I think it's like a really important thing to, you know, to like develop your skills by like just copying, you know, pixel for pixel, what other people are doing to see why it works. Because when you just look at it, sometimes you miss it. Can I pluck someone real shortly? Yeah, go for um, it. Go. You were saying nobody really, sure there are people, but you were just generally speaking, nobody plugs, uh, nobody deconstructs uh, any artwork anymore. And I used to start when I got into 3D with Blender. And I don't know how popular he is within the Cinema 4D community, but I don't see him too often. But you have this guy called Andrew Price. He's uh, from Blender Guru, and he really deconstructs. Yeah, he's a good uh, guy. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, he really teaches the fundamentals of 3D, but also the fundamentals of color and compositing. And if you don't know him yet, I would suggest checking him out. He critiques artwork as well, like five pieces, I think, per video. And they're really good pieces as well. Like, you see him, and then you, you think, wow, how could you improve this? And then he talks about it. It's not like the most random piece of internet that just needs hours of work before they are even good. It's really good stuff he critiques. And anyone who hasn't watched it, go check him out after this. Nice. Good tip. Thank you. Um, hey, I see Ryan Summers is in the, in the meeting. I would love to get your point of view on can taste be taught or can creativity be taught? Um, you know, a lot of this is kind of step from, like technical and software and you can watch tutorials and whatnot, but how do you develop your taste and like, can that be taught or is it just experience whatnot? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally think it can be taught. Um, 
I come from a background where taste was weaponized against people. <laughs> um, I've been in studios before where people have been, it's been dictated from above that person doesn't have taste because they don't have like a background of going to a school or um, having worked with certain people. But yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think it's something you have to cultivate. Um, I really think taste is just like um, point of view and then your experience mixed with like your kind of vision, you know, like what there's a difference between how you make something and then what you make and why you make it. Um, in MoGraph Mentor, we're about to start our next semester and Sunday, and I was reviewing all the stuff I've done previously. And um, the big thing I always talk about is anytime you start a project, you have kind of like three things that you work with. Like basically, you think about a theme, you think about a tone, and you think about a response you want from your audience. And if you think that way when you start a project, even if it's a one a day that you spend a half an hour on for five days, if you think about, okay, what's the theme? Like, what am I trying to say with it? How am I going to do it with tone? And then what's the response I want for people to do it? it? The response right now from a lot of people when they're working is just, I want someone to think that I really know the software really well versus I have a thing I'm trying to say. Um, so I do think it, it, I don't think there's a lot of people doing it right now, but I think there's a way to kind of like slightly change your thinking um, in terms of the way you approach even like one a days or monthly projects or larger projects. But yeah, I definitely think, I, I, think it, I think it's asinine and elitist to say that you can't learn taste. Um, I think that's something that someone who already thinks they have it says to other people. Um, and not that everybody does have it. Um, I think uh, there's something really interesting that Brad Bird says a lot that um, everyone can't be a genius, but genius can come from anywhere. Um, so it's not like it's just going to be handed to you right away. And it's not like you, you may not have the capability to be, you know, Stanley Kubrick, but you may have the capability to learn that and it can come from anyone from anywhere. It's not based on where you live. It's not based on how much money you have. It's not based on who's around you. You can cultivate taste hundred percent. Nice. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for chiming in on that. So guys, I think I agree that, you know, uh, maybe like the thing isn't so much like you definitely have to learn taste I think that's kind of important because um you know like I personally I know that my taste was really crap for a long time like I, I remember like seeing my stuff and it was terrible and even like now I look back and the stuff that I thought was good is not good and I see people I'm just I think I'll when we discuss it with Liam I think there's just some people who it feels like it's futile to try to teach them that's kind of like you try and it just like like sometimes you see an Instagram account and you see that it goes back for years and the stuff looks exactly the same like there is no improvement. Like that's kind of, I think, was my point. So I guess now talking about improvement, like how, how do you think people can critique themselves, especially when so many of us are working remotely by ourselves, it's, I mean, we can get little groups together like this and ask for critique. Um, but do you guys have any guidelines of how you're critiquing yourself and making sure you're getting better? Or are you kind of just doing the work and hoping that you're getting better? Well, I like to open websites and portfolios of people I like and people I look up to and try to compare what I made. I'm like, does this look like it would belong here? Like, is that, you know, does this fit in? Is this on the level of quality? Or if not, where would I need to go? But also asking others for help, I think, is the best way because you're just not going to see it yourself. Like, you just, if you could see it yourself, you would have done it straight away. Just a hint or talk about something that Ryan just put in the chat. I think it's why apprenticeships and having a safety net of mentors around you is important. I... 
I really wish this industry had apprenticeships. Many, many years ago, I thought about becoming a tattoo artist and I had an apprenticeship for a little while. And it just taught me so much and like even confirmed that I didn't really want to be a tattoo artist. It helped me and like I had to spend money on it, but it was so much cheaper to spend like $1,500 on that for like a six month apprenticeship than go to school to get to the end of it and find out this isn't what I want to do. And like you can get internships and, and everything, but I think like we really are kind of a trade a bit. Like it's something where we have pencils and we can learn to draw and like that's a trade in itself. And then uh, everything that comes with it that, you know, school, school is great. I learned a lot at school and I, I, I'm glad I have that background, but I really wish I could have done like 15 apprenticeships at like 10 different studios and gone back a couple of times or things like that. Like every six months or so for the first four to five years of my career, um, I, I just think there's something about that, that if you can land an apprenticeship somewhere or talk to a studio about doing an apprenticeship or a mentor or someone hop on it. Cause it, you're going to save a lot of money doing it and you'll find out really quickly is this a taste that I like, like maybe you have uh, someone that you really like what they're doing and then you have them as a mentor and then you start doing what they're doing. You're like, ah, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this isn't the way I want to go. You can really quickly get out of that instead of just like going through the red tape BS of, of school. Yeah, I think uh, Pedro just kind of alluded to this in the chat too, that like maybe everyone isn't, meant to be a great designer. Some people might be better off and perhaps happier being technical directors or, you know, people kind of behind the scenes executing certain ideas or whatnot. Um, and I think that's a great point as well, you know. Um, but with that too, I mean, even those technical directors are probably developing their taste by executing certain ideas and, and figuring out again, like, how are we gonna rig the lighting for this or, you know, or what have you, you know, like they're still part of the process. And I think if you're trying to do that whole process by yourself without any critique, without, you know, really sharing it with the world or, or trying to learn as much as you can through that process, then I think developing that taste is just, you're elongating the process tenfold, you know? Anyone else out there have thoughts on on this topic? Hey, I'll chime in. Yeah. Hey, um, so I was just thinking about uh, when people are giving feedback and uh, receiving feedback that there's a, um, a fluency with that. You know what I mean? Like if it's your first time giving feedback on lighting or the first time actually presenting lighting for feedback, you might not be super aware of like, oh, here are the top 10 things to look for, or here are the things that I like to see in terms of good lighting and the things that I like to see in terms of bad lighting. Um, and so um, as that fluency develops, um, it just occurred to me listening to this conversation that maybe that's a way to like, just paying attention to that fluency might be a way to determine what your specialty is. Mm -hmm. 
because we are all like generalists, you know, coming in before we find a specialty, but um, being able to be super fluent at giving that feedback might be, you know, one of the little signposts of, oh, guess what? You might have a, a specialty here if you're super passionate about, like I'm thinking about jumping into data visualization almost exclusively, which is completely different than my real last year. But, um, and I think that's, that's particularly because I have a list of things that I look for in a good chart and a good way to represent data and that I would offer to others as well. So just something to throw out there. Yeah, I agree. Like that, that's one thing that you get taught in school while doing critiques is how to talk about your work and how you can explain something to somebody and really kind of how to bullshit a little bit. Like, yeah, there's that art to that as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think going off exactly what you say, said, you made a ton of good points that, um, yeah, being able to just have a fluency when talking, like that that's so key to learning, but also being able to teach others and teach clients. So yeah. just, how about, let's see, I'm going to call on people that I see have mics, but if you are in the office and can't, talk that's fine uh how about robert looks like you're in an office are you able to talk no you can't okay um how about lion am i muted oh yeah you're good all right well uh, my name is not lion it's kendall for some reason it took my, <laughs> my computer name it's weird but um, <laughs> it's a nigerian proverb but um okay so um, I don't know, I, I kind of chimed in a little bit um, late into the meeting. So, you know, you guys can stop me if, if you guys already talked about it. But I kind of feel like uh, with motion design, um, you know, being in Instagram, things like that, I think it's almost like it's kind of uh, built upon uh, almost kind of like this showmanship of trying to show your capabilities rather than actually trying to show your 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 um your what what do you think is art is because I think I, I for me I came from like a, a art background it was very um keyed upon me to to actually kind of define what my art and what my voice is or what I'm trying to say and I feel like in a lot of times emotions I just like okay what's the new, what's the next coolest trend and we just kind of just go towards that constantly and it's it becomes kind of stagnated. So my thoughts upon like taste is that's really like uh, challenging what you think is 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 good art or good design, um, and looking at it like in a holistic approach and really trying to to um, to to not just look at the trends that's going on, but just really look at everything. Because like for me, I'm really big on. Uh, I really love to look at architectural design that has nothing to do with what I do on a regular basis like at all like it has nothing to do with it but it's, it's just about the challenge of how they de how they define their art and how it and just looking at it um and it really challenged me to 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 see how it applies and see how it can actually uh work within what I do that's about it I'm gonna unmute myself now yeah, and I think that's a great point. And I think, too, 
from from my point of view, as you develop your taste, your style develops, your personal style develops, right? Like, um, and that's how you end up eventually standing out from the crowd because if your style is the same as everybody else's style or what's trending or whatever, um, it's going to be hard to stand out and you're not really developing your own personal voice, your own personal style. And like, I made this analogy, I think in the Slack when this topic came up, but like, you know, with someone who's got like a skateboarding and kind of snowboarding background, like anyone can learn how to skateboard. Anyone can learn how to snowboard, but there's only a select few that can really do it with like style and kind of grace. And I think that just takes years of experience and trying and failing and try again and fail again and trying, you keep getting up and you keep doing it. And then you finally do a trick or in our case, a project or a piece that you're like, yes, I nailed that. Like I'm super happy how that came out. And without that repetition of experience and trying and failing, getting back up, trying again, sharing your project, getting critique, how do I make this better? You know, without doing that, it's hard to develop that kind of finer style and that finer voice. And therefore I think that's all developed through that initial taste palette of what you're developing. I don't know. That probably doesn't make sense. Maybe it does. But. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I really just to say that it's like, um, like I think right now it's really hard to, to um, I guess from my experiences, it's really hard to actually find people that want to be kind of honest with you. And two, it's it's really hard to, to, to really say okay, um, it's okay to fail in a sense. Like this industry is all built upon really kind of getting in the trend, doing what you have to do, and kind of and getting paid, which, you know, it's the business side of it. You have to present things to make sure that it actually look for different clients, et cetera. But there really, really is a mechanism for failure or mechanism for, for trying to, to try something different and fail. Like, it's okay to fail. Like, there's nothing wrong with having bad work. Like, we have to bridge the gap. How can you really, um, like, close the gap between your work looking awesome and terrible if you don't experiment and fail? So I just, I, that's one thing I found so far is it's really like, there's, there's very room for error. You Either you present something that's great or you don't. So I feel like it's really like, you know, a missed opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Like with the, like right now, as I said, I was learning to draw and it's just, it's like, I just, like I look at the stuff that I'm making and it's just so hard to keep going because it's so bad. <laughs> like the stuff I'm drawing right now is just, so utterly terrible like it's just you, you know you, you draw like you know you draw for a day a second day and you see you're getting small improvements and you're like, okay so it's going better but it's still like and i can imagine people who start off in industry where there's such a huge gap between what they're seeing on instagram and what they're doing themselves that you know they're just tempted to just copy it and not really develop their own ideas and their own kind of direction to actually make art whereas they're just aiming at the technical perfection yeah, and like I really like the analogy that you were talking about, Mark. It just like you have to keep trying and failing and trying and failing, and then you finally nail it. But to continue off that, like I know that I've had those milestones in my career where like I've been working on something, and then I finally nail a piece that I really like, and then a couple of years go by, and I look at it I'm like God, that was so 
terrible. But at the time, it was like you had this epiphany, like, wow, I, I finally took a big leap here. And I think that's something that artists have to overcome again and again is that, like, yeah, you're going to la- land that trick, but then you have to land your next one and your next one and your next one. And you, like, you have to keep failing. And Ryan, I think you talked about this last week or the week before about, like, trying to fail more often like it was the cake analogy was that you ryan whereas like people were baking cakes and like there were people that were trying to do like the best cake the very first time versus like making five thousand cakes and by the time they got to their five thousand cake it was just like way beyond the people that tried to make the most perfect one because they just like kept learning from their mistakes and learning how to uh let batter rise a little bit better or turn the temperature down like 20 degrees in this oven and things like that. You, you learn those little nuanced techniques. Um, but it, it just takes a ton of failure and you're, you're going to land your tricks, but then you're going to have to find a new one to land too. Yeah, I'm kind of follow- oh, sorry. I'm kind of, I'm, of both reading and, <laughs> and trying to follow. Um, yeah, for sure. Like that's and that was my uh, New Year's resolution is to try and churn out um, quantity instead of getting like so pigeonholed in like this one has to be good. And this is what I said last time is like because then all of a sudden you get the email and it's like oh yeah instead of one set of boards they're actually like maybe three to five and you're like oh crap so then you have to crank to get a few more out and then those ones end up being better because you're just like you're not second guessing and you're just trying um but uh yeah this some of what um I think it was uh, uh Alexi said goes back to comes back to uh the gap to where it, it it's the video that we watched. And if you're late, you should check out the link posted. Um, but the uh, talking about the gap and we keep, and then in the chat, Ryan Summers is talking about like defining the term of taste, but there's like all this overlap between we keep curving into um, like ability and, or, or uh, style and the evolution of style and, how it's like, oh man, I, I just, I'm hand drawing and it sucks. Well, that's not bad taste though. Like, and it's, it's, it's like, you're still developing the skill and that takes time, but your taste is there. And, um, oh, another thing that they said in the, the gap is like, you just have to keep doing it and just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And then by doing it and exposing yourself to new things, you, you start to see what is working and then you start to learn why it's working or if you have someone be able to look at this and you look at it and you're like, this is shit. And they're like, this is awesome. And you're like, no, this is not great, but you have to get yourself, but I can't, I can't say why I can't say what's wrong with why. And um, if you have someone who's like above you or from a different vantage point who can look at it and um, like with what Elizabeth was saying, like who can articulate that to you, like, and you give yourself, you make yourself open to that. Um, uh, not even necessarily criticism, but the way someone else sees it to where it's like, wait, what am I looking at? Cause I kind of am feeling this or I'm, you know, and, and then you start to build an internal vocabulary. If it's what, what you're learning is now color theory um, or, or composition and how all those things start to lend themselves to be able to deliver what you're intending 
on delivering. I mean, even if it, what you're drawing is just a little tiny um, stamp size sketch of something, you know, like but being able to produce that and being able to produce that is the, the skill and that, that grows over time. But um, yeah, it's, it's hard because I, anytime we say like, that person like if my drawing sucks well that doesn't mean I have bad taste but I may also be like trying to create sorry I'm jumping back into another analogy but um like the food like someone may just be like I don't like spicy food I I only like I and I really like sugary stuff and all I do is watch uh baking shows or where they're like doing the design about cupcakes and they're nailing the design about cupcakes or maybe I really do like spicy food and I'm really good at that I don't know I'm 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 running all over the place but (laughs) (laughs) no I think that's a good analogy yeah I mean you can't get trapped in one one mindset is like sugary stuff is not bad taste and spicy stuff if someone doesn't like bad or sorry, if someone doesn't like spicy food, that doesn't mean they have bad taste. It's just like a spectrum or it's, it's all over the place. And so I don't know that, and, and exposure broadens what you're, what you can like. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. There was, there was one thing that you said, Ryan, about like having someone above you that can guide you like a mentor and how that really helps. And I was thinking too, that, it also helps to have someone under you and teach them as well. Cause you learn so much just from teaching as well. 100%. That it, I think I, f- I forget who's said it. It's probably either like Ryan or Nick from GSG where it's like, never be the best person in the room. Like always have someone above you. But at the same time, I think it's really great to have someone below you that you can then talk about your work and they can come to you and it helps you define your vocabulary a little bit better as well. Cause if, if you have a junior under you and they want to know why you're doing something or how you did something or your thought process, then you then have to be able to articulate that and explain something. And when you're able to do that, then that makes you think about your work in different ways than when you're actually working on it. It just turns on a different side of your brain. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think there's a a key advantage to having someone that's always above you pushing you, but don't be afraid to give back and, and help someone below you either to help increase your skills. Um, Just looking through the chat, there's a bunch of like, there's a bunch of good nuggets going on in here. Um, yeah, no, we keep having like little lulls in, in our conversation. I think it's just because there's so much happening in the chat right now. I, I wish we could send that to people's ear holes. Yeah, I don't know if Ryan, uh, Ryan Summers wants to elaborate on some of the nuggets you've dropped in here too, but I think you've got some nice little points that I would love for the audio listeners to be able to hear if they're tuning in. Post- yeah. I mean, I, I, there's so many really good things that people were saying. I, like, I think, uh, I think it was Alexi was saying, you know, like I'm, I'm drawing and it's really painful because <laughs> I don't see that much progress. And I really think 
beyond just like learning software, like learning tools and techniques, I think anything that's like a, a hand capability, like a craftsmanship capability, you have to have someone else guiding you. And I, I, I always allude to, it's like being an athlete, right? You know, like you could have two people who have never played baseball and never swung a baseball bat start at the same day as an adult. And you could have one guy who's taking 10,000 swings just trying to get lucky and trying to like slowly like, oh, if I swing earlier, if I look at the ball and visualize where I'm going, you can slowly start to kind of do it. And you do that whole Malcolm Gladwell, you know, 10,000 somethings turns into a master. Or you get somebody who already knows how to do it and spend, you know, a thousand swings with somebody saying, nope, we got to turn your hips before you, you swing and you have to visualize this way. And then they watch you, they videotape it, they sit down with you, they show you what you're doing wrong. Um, and in a thousand swings, in a tenth of the time, you can not only know that you're getting better, but you can feel it and you can also learn how to correct yourself because you're getting all these little techniques along the way. Um, I think stuff like drawing, I think stuff like picking color palettes, I think stuff like choosing fonts, not, not the technique of kerning and how to like, you know, stop stuff into a paragraph or I'm talking about like the artistic choices and why you pick a sans serif versus a serif, why you take a slab, why certain fonts have certain characteristics. Um, the, the, I think what I was saying later too is that there's a distinct line between like your craftsmanship skills and then your actual design fundamentals that become your voice, right? Like those are two separate things and you can learn what makes a really good drawing without having to be a great drawer, if that makes sense, right? Like you can learn what's good and why it's good and learn the technique of the thought behind it while you're struggling with being able to draw a freehand straight line, right? Like that's just muscle memory. Like you start off with a dot here and a dot here and you draw and you do a thousand of those and you put a dot here and you put a dot here twice as long and you draw. And that's just like building it up, but you don't know why your capabilities to draw really straight lines could be good or bad until you actually study that. And you can do that at the same time. And I think that that's really, that's taste. Like taste is the why people make decisions, why five decisions together make something beautiful versus five decisions together make something that makes you feel angry. You know, like that, they're two separate things, but I think when we're all going on Instagram and wondering why our stuff sucks compared to the thousand other people, that stuff gets lost really easy. Like you're like, oh shit, I just have to draw. I gotta draw. But drawing without direction or designing without direction doesn't really get you where you want. It just gets you frustrated the next time you go back and look at Instagram or the next time you go back and look at a magazine. So I think that's most of what I was trying to say, split up across the chat. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And you made a point too of like, just, you know, some amazing creative directors that aren't great artists on like the box. They just, oh, yeah. they've got that vision, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or I mean, it, they may have been actively on the box a decade ago, but you know, just because they don't know Houdini doesn't mean that they don't know how to tell someone who does know Houdini what's going to look right. You know, just because you know how to make a million particles doesn't mean you know where to put those million particles or why to use the million particles. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, I've seen people that you look at their drawings and like a kid out of school could you know draw circles around them, but their their little kind of like napkin sketch or their little just like sketch is more than enough for, for other people to go forward. I tell people all the time, like if you look at um, Steven Spielberg's drawings that he does for his cinematographers versus Ridley Scott's paintings, one or the other is a better artist in terms of like what they can visualize as a final piece of art. But it's hard to argue with what Spielberg gets out of the cinematographers with those tiny little, very specific sketches. So it's just a different way of thinking, I think, a different way of approaching the day-to-day. Does anyone, let's say we're, we're over an hour now, but um, we can start wrapping this up, but I'd love to hear from anyone else who hasn't had the chance to chime in. Lucky, I see you're pretty active in the chat. I don't know if you have a mic or not. 
you can give us a thumbs up or thumbs down if you got a mic or if you would like, oh, no mic, no worries. All right, well, uh, let me digest what you just put in here. Liam, I don't know, is there anyone else? Um, Jersey, am I saying your name right? Do you wanna talk, do you have a mic? No, okay. Um, I think we've pretty much got everyone. So we wanna start talking about links and inspiration. Sure. Um, also, before we get into that, man, this conversation was awesome. I just want to thank everybody really quick because I didn't even realize it was 11.15 already. So uh, time flew by with this one. So thanks for everyone who's chimed in. And I just love it when you guys participate. Um, so we already shared The Gap by Ira Glass at the beginning of that. If you scroll up in the chat or you missed it, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, this other link that I'm going to drop in, speaking of... I think we were talking about Ash Thorpe a little bit earlier, at least in the chat. Ash had shared this link. It's called uh, Astartes, I think, or Astartes. It's like a Warhammer 4000 fan film, but one person made it, and it is crazy that it was just one person working on it, or at least we, can, as far as we can tell, it's just one person that's been working on this. They don't really list anyone else that may have been helping them collaborate or anything. Um, but the detail that they've got in there and just the the shot selection and things like that, it's it's really great. And it looks like they may have even released part two already now. I see it up next. It looks like there's a part two. So anyway, check that out. Um, very cool, like space 3D stuff. There's a new Lorem Ipsum generator, which is Jeff Goldblum, which is really funny. Uh, throw that in the chat right now called Jeffsum and pretty much say how many paragraphs you want and <laughs> create a bunch of Jeff Goldblum quotes. So that's really awesome. Um, let's see. The next thing I have is from Lester Banks from last week. Throw that in here. Um, it's a Cinema 4D X particles and Redshift scene. And you know, the Redshift stuff is okay, but I learned a lot more about like the C4D and X particles stuff in there and like how to start using some of the new whitewater effects that they've been putting out um so if you want to learn how to make like a, a creek or like a soft waterfall and some of the white water realistic stuff that they've now started rolling out into x particles um that that kind of blew my mind a little bit and i think the next one i put in and then the rest are yours mark um this person named simone Vizani did a particle rendering and i of like gallery portraits and um i'm assuming it's probably x particles because they said they rendered it with redshift and it seems like a lot of redshift users are in cinema 4d but maybe it's houdini um but it's just really cool it's a it's a neat little tech experimentation um yeah that had the plate uh, a lot of slacks of buzz last week yeah Oh, I did put a couple more in there. Um, Andy announced the X-Particles Challenge winner, which is Charkin. What's his actual name? Chris Harkin? Yep. I'll throw that in the chat right now. That's yeah, a great piece. Yeah, it's the tune-styled one that was done in Octane, but all kind of stylized to be more like a tune shader. Just wonderful work and... Let's see. Congratulations, Chris. Yeah, Chris, if you're listening. Uh, you're listening. Yeah, I'd, plus I'd love to get 
them on here. Oh yeah, AC Hopkins new reel. I think we shared that last time, but if not, definitely check that out. Speaking of particle work, just because that's awesome. Um, Kyle, that's been in here a few times. Uh, he he's Kylesaurus Rex on Instagram. I'm sharing that he's doing a 30 approximately 30 day text series where he's showing how to do like really creative stuff with the text animator inside of After Effects. Um, it's crazy, some of the stuff he's put together. I know Workbench put out something using some of the techniques that Kyle's been throwing out there. So definitely check that out as well. And then now I think I'm done with my links. I think the rest are yours. <laughs> uh, let's see, just looking at it quick. You talked about that creek scene, okay. Um... There's just some other stuff, uh, a couple of videos. There's a video called Wonderland. Uh, it's a short form documentary on Vimeo. It came out a while back. It's like 15 minutes long, but there's some, uh, uh, it was produced by Eskimo and you'll notice some, um, some familiar faces in that one, but it's, it says a short form doc on creative commerce Anyway, it's a pretty interesting piece. I would check it out. It's nice and kind of like inspirational, if you will. Um, let's see. Uh, we added a couple other links from the attendees of the meeting about understanding color. That's from, I believe, Andrew Price, the blender guru that we were talking about earlier. Um, there's one called The Long Game Part 2, The Missing chapter uh adam westbrook talks about um it's kind of a video essay on um kind of the long game of creating large pieces and whatnot so check that out um insidium announced a new content uh or added to their content repository this week with some pretty phenomenal additions in there so definitely check that out if you're into x particles or if you have used it in the past um and last week on the school of motion podcast they had uh what's his what's his name is it joe Pil pilger uh and he runs a company called RevThink. That's kind of like creative business consulting and whatnot. But they have a podcast. And I've listened to a few of the episodes this week. And they're very good. I really enjoyed listening to them. Uh, a lot of it is centered around creative business, obviously. So um, there's one with G-Monk. There's one with Chris Doe. There's you know uh, a few. There's, let's see. 60 episodes right now so if you haven't listened to that it's called the rev thinking podcast rev thinking podcast so we'll link that up in the notes as well but definitely worth checking out um and then i think that was it liam did you just drop in a couple other ones uh i just dropped in the link to the joel pillager interview okay cool um ryan dropped in a couple links too. um go vote for label colors for keyframes um i threw that in our notes too so uh the way adobe works they have a form you can actually vote on things and that's how they start implementing things more and more so uh, one of the suggestions lately has been label colors for keyframes which i think would be 
awesome because there's, there's so many times where like I'm looking at a layer and the keyframes just start to blend together. Um, and then the other thing that Ryan just shared was a clip from, let's see, you just said who it was from, do, 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 Connor Whalen. And it's how he made a wave using particular and like turbulent noise and a mesh warp, I believe. Um, and it looks super cell animated, but just the, the technical breakdown of it is really cool to see and see that it's like actually simple to make, but then looks complex when put into the video. Uh, so I threw that, that link into our notes as well. Nice. Other than that, I think that that is it. Um, you want to tease next week? Yeah. Let me get out the calendar. I, I can tease a few more things coming up because I've been adding to the calendar as I talk to people. So next week we have Dorka Museb. She's going to come on and talk to us about her history and uh, working with uh, the Patriot Act and everything that went into that. So if you have questions, save them up or bring them, um, or sorry, send them to us or bring them and you can ask her directly. And then two weeks after that, we're going to review our goals that we set for this month and for the year. And then we have a new real challenge for 2019. Then on the 11th of February, the workbench guys are going to come on and talk to us and kind of talk about their background a little bit, but just also their thoughts on this status of the industry and let's see at on the first meeting of march we're gonna do a live real critique after having a month of real challenge and see where people are at and you know give some actual feedback like we were just talking about today so we've got quite a bit lined up going into the next few weeks and as always if you guys have any recommendations or thoughts or comments or questions whatnot like definitely hit us up we'd love to hear from you uh info at mo uh <laughs> i can't even think info at mondaymeeting.org or hit us up on twitter instagram or any of the slacks that you probably are on if you're listening to this seems like we're on most of them um but with that being said i just want to say uh thank you for everyone for uh, joining us today. Um, it's always a, a lot of fun to do this and kick off the week with all you guys and just get the, kind of the brain back in work mode. So um, we had a few new people join this week, which was great. So thank you for joining. And um, I think that's it for me. Liam, anything else? Yeah, I think that's it for me. Thanks as always. Uh, if you are new, definitely come back and feel free to join us. If you ever want to chat, just make sure you have a mic, but you don't have to. You can always chat inside the chat room there, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, topics, if you guys have any suggestions, as, as Mark said, send them to us or guests. Um, also, don't feel like they have to be within the motion design industry necessarily totally. anything that has to do with creative or business or whatever whatever you guys want to hear about or talk about we are totally open to it as you know from participating we're pretty dang casual with this we kind of just let things flow as they need to flow so uh, whatever you're interested in we'd love to get them on for you as well clean Sweet. up liam's desk behind him oh that one over there yeah that that is currently uh a houdini book three sketchbooks 
and a business card box from Moo. So it's a bunch of stuff that needs to either be recycled or whatever. Um, so my recycling's on Friday. I need to take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> Live stream the cleanup. Okay, next week. That you know we we can all that can be a goal for whatever the fourth when we're doing uh our goal review we'll, we'll make sure my desk back there <laughs> clean up. awesome well thanks again guys we'll see you next week peace out yeah so